My name is Trip Gorman, and in this episode of Sumia VC, I sit down with Melissa Toledo, sales manager for Latin America and the Caribbean at Twilio. She's on the Latinx ERG board at Twilio and led similar initiatives in her previous role at Salesforce. She's also worked at Kaleidos Cloud, an SAP company, as well as ProMexico, the division of the Mexican government that promotes international trade and investment. In this episode, we talked about the differences between selling B2B in Latin America and the United States, how business travel to Latin America is part of her role at Twilio, how her team that's focused on Latin America and the Caribbean focused their time between the two regions, and why she moved from working in tech in Miami to working in tech in Atlanta. We discussed all this and more in this episode of Samia VC. Okay, Melissa, could you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role at Twilio? Yeah, so I started right out of college working for ProMexico, which that is like the trade and investment arm, or was, it has since been shut down, um, of the Mexican government. So I did a lot of trying to identify companies in Mexico that wanted to actually sell their products in the U.S., but didn't know how to go about it. Um, also talking to individuals and companies within the U.S. who wanted to invest or purchase from wholesalers and in Mexico. And so just trying to drive the investment in business from Mexico to the United States, the United States to Mexico, um, which is really interesting. I learned a lot about the buying culture, the personas. Um, it was really, really eye-opening straight out of college to go and do a type of um, career like that. And so did that for about two years, quickly realized that Miami wasn't where I wanted to live out the rest of my life. Um, originally being from Wisconsin, I know a lot of people are shocked by that, but I wanted like a middle ground. And so I was like, hey, Atlanta, Atlanta works. It's still hot in the summers, but not as cold as Wisconsin in the winter. So I um, moved to Atlanta and the pro-Mexico arm here in Atlanta didn't exist. And so they quickly were like, at that time, like working remote is, was such a weird concept, very different from now, of course. Uh, so I actually couldn't find anything in Atlanta at the time. So waitressed for a while and my parents owned a restaurant when I was in high school. And so waitressing was something I actually really enjoyed um, and found an admin position at Calidus Cloud. So Calidus Cloud at its time, now part of SAP, um, did a lot of compensation. And so you can look at it as like a competitor to exactly, which is a tool a lot of companies use for their compensation today. So started as the assistant to the North America sales SVP. And that's the first time I got, I guess, direct corporate sales experience. I did, I considered my job for ProMexico sales. So of course you learn how to con convince people or really pitch something. Um, but being the admin at Caldas Cloud, I was really, really much closer to, okay, an actual, how do you forecast? How do you run a deal cycle? How do you work with enterprise companies? And so I, after 12 months, decided I wanna get into the actual sales side of things. I was given a list of named accounts and became an account manager. So a lot of just expanding current relationships. Um, and that was really fun. I worked with enterprise accounts there. Um, probably hard to remember some of them right now but it was really great again first time being in corporate america and we had a small office here in atlanta but it wasn't what i was looking for long term my idea at the time was like okay i want to go something bigger so nothing bigger than salesforce and so after two years with calidus cloud i 
moved over to Salesforce as an outbound enterprise BDR for Marketing Cloud. So that in itself is a really long title, um, but Salesforce, as you may know, have their different clouds. You have the core um, CRM cloud and then sales cloud and then you have service cloud, marketing cloud, and just all these other clouds, data cloud now, I think. And I did, and then never done like official outbound prospecting. And so for me, it was something that even though it quote unquote could be seen, I guess, as like a step back from going to being account manager to then now an outbound BDR, it was something I really, really needed to get those little um, soft skills tougher, right? And actually learn, okay, how do you go out of your comfort zone and call Facebook? Or how do you go out of your comfort zone and try to connect with the Ford Motor Company and get a call for your account executive? So it was challenging, but actually, um, thankfully did really well at it. And because it was for marketing cloud, I continued being really passionate towards technology that enabled communication. So did that for a year, supported two enterprise teams, um, one out of the West and one out of the Midwest. And so made really great relationships. And then myself moved up into a small business AE role, again, specifically for marketing cloud. And so that was my first official like AE position, really enjoyed it, learned to like demo my, on my own, um, really basic stuff though, like nothing super technical and traveled. I covered New York, uh, Toronto. And so started actually traveling and being in front of customers. And that was a great experience, right? Salesforce, a really well-known brand enjoyed that. Um, but then quickly had kind of the opposite thought of, well, I kind of want to be somewhere a little smaller. I want to be able to make a difference. I was a part of the Latinx ERG um, in the Atlanta office for Salesforce. There wasn't a chapter there. So I created that chapter, which I was really proud about being a part of Latinx ERGs or employee resource groups is really important for me because I, my dad's from Oaxaca, Mexico. So growing up in Wisconsin, wasn't around a lot of Latinx or Hispanic individuals. And so I felt like a piece of my identity was missing. And so participating in the ERG groups gives me you know, a sense of purpose for that part of my life that you know I'm still, I'm really proud of and I wanna keep trying to be connected to. And so one of the enterprise B, account executives I supported as a BDR had just joined Twilio and she mentioned my name during like a sales kickoff and the rest is kind of history. I was reached out to on LinkedIn. I was like, sure, I'll chat. No idea what an API was at that time. I would, I'm, I do now obviously, but still sometimes it can be a little, <laughs> a little confusing. Um, and so I came to Twilio quickly was like, oh my gosh, this is so different than Salesforce. Like it's not a pre-built platform, it's API. And, what is an API? And you have this technical sale, which is something very different from my point of view than that was at Salesforce. No way could I demo. We don't really demo because we're API. So there's just a lot of nuances where I'm like, oh, this was a mistake, but it wasn't. Obviously I'm still here at Twilio, but um, started off as an um, North America account executive covering like a few zip codes in Florida. And here at the time we didn't have an office, which now we do. We were at a WeWork and it was very like, fun. I learned a lot about Twilio quickly. I think the culture was still very startup-y, but um, we all shared our knowledge. And so I was able to 
be super successful, hit quota right away out of the gate. And then I met Raul Rincon, who was the SVP of Latin America here at Twilio for sales. Now he is the global lead for everything Plex, which is really exciting for him. But I met him six months in at Twilio. He knew I, he found out I could speak Spanish. And so he's like, oh, just come join LATAM. I'm like, sure, I would absolutely love to. And then my boss at the time, um, Doug Barnes, he's like, well, you kind of need to do 12 months in your current role, which makes sense, right? They want to make sure you fully know what you're doing before they just throw you to a different team. So at my 12 month mark, I joined the Latin American team as a mid-market account executive. I was pregnant. Um, and so I was really transparent about that, but Raul was super supportive. It's like, no, I still want you on the team, of course. So joined and I would say officially number three account executive for the LATAM team that was being established. There were a few others that were doing some LATAM coverage, but nothing officially. So at the time it was Kevin Schwaba, who on our team covered accounts like Mercado Libre and Rappi, um, Diego Segura, who was the first AE out of Colombia, and myself. And so we we're the first three, and that was the spring of 2020 of course then COVID came things got crazy and now we're a team of 32 in spanish-speaking latin america so we've grown a lot i now manage our growth team which there are 11 account executives yeah i think that covers everything with my career <laughs> up till now <laughs> there we go and yeah. and in, in in the beginning of that answer you talked about learning the buying differences between the Latin Americans and, and those in the United States from your perspective and experiences how is selling to Latin America different from selling to American companies yeah it is so different and I think it's impossible to compare the two as just themselves because I've also learned over the last year and a half two years you, it's not just selling to Latin America you really have to go granular and saying okay what type of things do you need to keep in mind when selling to Mexico um, buyers? What do you have to keep in mind when you're selling in Argentina or Colombia or Brazil? And so that in itself is, is fun. You learn the nuances for each culture, but I'd say the biggest, biggest difference that I see is the approach of how you communicate. And so here in the U.S. or in America, I feel like we're very blunt to the point. Yes, no, like we're going to buy, we're not, so what I'm, and so on. In Latin America, which I do appreciate, but sometimes it can, it can be frustrating. There's a lot of like, yeah, yeah, of course, like, sure. Like we're deaf, we're still thinking about it. And then like in two weeks, like you're ghosted or they're like, well, actually we changed our mind. And so it keeps us on our toes, but it's something that I've learned to try to balance and set better expectations with my team. And so Something early on in my career when I became the manager, someone said, Melissa, yes, we want you to learn more of how to sell to the Latin culture or Latin America buying culture, but we don't want you to lose your American style because that's what's going to differentiate us from others. I was like, that is such a good point. And so I've focused or I've asked my team to read the Challenger sale. I think that is like a great book to try to teach an account executive to be a little bit more firm or a little stronger with their like requests when selling. And I think that's helped my team to a degree try to be a little bit more accountable, like when going through a sales motion, but you also need to make sure you can't go full American and lose those um, nuances. For example, my team will, if they slack me, they'll slack me. Hi, Melissa. Good morning. How are you? 
and in the past I like I would respond but I also would wait and see like okay like do you need something what's going on like that's I think very rushed and always have something to do is very American thing as well so you have to figure out okay have those small talk like realize that you need to be way more personable to sell or way more um, open to sell in Latin America than you are in the U.S. as well. In your intro answer, you also mentioned some of your early business travel earlier in your career to Canada. Could you tell the audience more about how business travel uh, to Latin America is part of your current role at Twilio? Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. One of the reasons why I wanted the role earlier on was the ability to travel to Latin America. So I was like, great, you know, come starting 2020, even though I was pregnant, I was still like, okay, I'll be able to travel. Then COVID hit and we're like, well, we're not going to be able to do any of that anytime soon. So I was a little bummed out, but you, I think because everyone was in the same situation, we all understood. And so I had a lot of Zoom calls to try to build those relationships, but my first trip to Colombia last November, yeah, I think so just almost a year ago, that was the first time I had ever met like all of the people I've worked with. And that alone, even though it was still just to like get to know the team was amazing. The bond I had built with some of the, the team members like via Zoom was really special, but then being able to like put that to an actual physical human was just a whole nother level. And I think that's when it quickly clicked. I'm like, okay, travel is going to be key. I, our first trip after that was in March for Mexico because there was a latitude event. So I don't know if you have heard of uh, latitude, but every, all the great things they're doing, but they had a launch pad event in Mexico city and myself and a few of us went. And again, seeing logos that were like, oh, you, you work with Twilio. And they'd be like, yeah, we've never met anyone. And they were like, yeah, neither have we from your company. And so building the LATAM team having individuals who finally could speak Spanish that Twilio didn't have before. And then going in region just created this sense of like gratitude with customers and gratitude with prospects that even if we didn't come out with like a finalized contract, like you could still tell that they, they really appreciated that we were making the effort to travel. And so it's been, it's been fantastic to be able to do that. I've gone to Mexico city a handful of times. Uh, we've been to Argentina Bogota is where our, our biggest office is in Latin America, Spanish speaking, and so gone there, but there's a lot more that we need to do. And so Chile, the Caribbean, Costa Rica is like still left to do this year. I've, I'm certainly jealous of this business travel yeah. to Latin America, yeah. but, but how do you split your time between focusing on Latin America and then the Caribbean as part of your role? Yeah, to be honest, because we cover both, I don't really... I guess, separate it. The way we have our teams broken down is we do include the Caribbean into like the Southern cone right now. But I think that's the fun part, fun and challenging part about being in a growing region, which we still are growing very much in, in LATAM is we're defining like what makes sense, right? Do we just give one person to the Caribbean? Cause there's a lot that comes out. There's a lot of business in Jamaica and Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. And so do we dedicate one person just to there? Um, and if so, they have to be English speaking, but then do we still base them out of Bogota or Mexico, or is that something we find someone here in the States to cover? Like it's, it's definitely an ever going process. We don't really know if there's the correct answer to it, but um, we do have two account executives who focus on the Caribbean as well as um, 
South America. And so I think they themselves might have like a more data-driven explanation on how they split their time. But I think it's just more, if we see it, if we see a country is really starting to come out with interest in Twilio, we'll start focusing on it more. Could you tell the audience a bit more about the initiatives you've been a part of? You previously mentioned your ERG at, you know, the, the, the past companies you've been at and Twilio. Could you talk more about those initiatives that you've been a part of to support Latinos in tech? Yeah, yeah. So, and this is like a hat for a Latinx ERG. Wanted to wear it today. Um, specifically at Twilio, earlier on when we were, at, when I say earlier on, it was like just three years ago. Lots happened in three years, but our ERG was still, I would say like not very structured. And so when I joined a couple months afterwards, there was a big emphasis on, okay, let's make ERGs a more important topic for all new hires. Like when new hires come in and do onboarding, um, an hour session will be a hundred percent dedicated to ERGs because we want everyone to understand there's an importance of diversity and the benefits that come from having a very diverse team company and so on. So within that, some of the initiatives we took on right away were just educating individuals on what is Latinx or what is Hispanic heritage, you know, month and different holidays. For example, Cinco de Mayo is not Mexico's Independence Day, but not many people know that. And it seems like such a small little like detail, but it's impactful because it's changing the way people perceive certain cultures and it's trying to understand that not everyone who's who's Latino is necessarily Mexican, right? There's a lot of different cultures to think of. And so we wanted to make sure that anything we did or any type of fun event also had an educational piece so people could always be learning. And so today, something that the ERG is taking on is creating these get to know different countries. And they send out like a newsletter every month of two different countries and like fun facts, like ways to get involved, like favorite foods. And again, it's a way to educate not just the ERG themselves, but also the broader community at Twilio. And so we can just get to know each other more and have more things in common. Um, another initiative I'm trying to think that we did early on, not just the educational pieces, but we also had a partnership with Tequeria and we tried to do networking and office hours with them, talk around career progression, anything we've seen. We also do panels with Latinx leadership at Twilio or anyone who might have more of a senior title and understand how have you gotten there? Like what challenges have you seen? What do you do with microaggressions? And so having those open conversations have been empowering from my point of view to the other um, Latinx ERG members or those who identify as Latinx or Hispanic to feel more comfortable and feel like they belong at Twilio, but also feel like whether it's at Twilio or outside of it, like they can grow their career and get to more senior levels, um, which is something that I also really want to see. And that's why I wanted to get in management. What would you tell a U.S.-based account executive, maybe at a company like Twilio or not like Twilio, that's, that's just entering the region? Uh, what would you tell them if they were just assigned to Latin America and know almost nothing? Yeah. Uh, take Spanish classes or Portuguese. I'd say for sure one or the other you need to have. And roll your sleeves up and get at it. There's so much potential in Latin America. And I'm not just saying like go sell, but it's also get to know the market, get to know all the startups that are coming out of it. And the fun thing about startups is the technology. Like we've had some conversations with some 
amazing ideas or co companies who have these amazing ideas, this amazing technology. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, that is such a cool thing that you're building. Like we want to be a part of that. And so how can we do that? So having that type of an approach of like, we want to be partners, not we want you to sign a contract um, and reach out to people, just network like crazy because LinkedIn, I think is one of the most valuable tools that, that we have access to of connecting to individuals. I mean, that's how you and I connected, right? It's just on LinkedIn and, and being open to having conversations that might not lead to something in the short term, but as long as you're planting those seeds and as long as you're humbly being interested in the region, like people are going to receive you and listen to you and have those conversations. You mentioned that you didn't want to live in Miami for the rest of your life in your intro answer as well. Uh, a lot, a lot of tech is there. A lot of tech is growing there. Could you tell a little bit more about why you decided to not live in Miami? Yeah. So, I mean, at that time, maybe seven, eight years ago, I hope it's not 10 already. <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> but um, at the time, I think for me, it was just very, it's just, a, it's a city. It's very much city. And I know people, when they think of Atlanta, that it's a city as well, but there's way more green space, like where I live right now in our house with my, my husband and our son and like, we're 10 minutes away from somewhere we can go and go hiking and we can see nature and see deer. And so I didn't really see any of that in Miami. And at that time I just, I went to college there. I lived the great, like go out, have fun, um, lifestyle, which can also get pricey. So it was just more of a financial and what I was looking for next in life. But now, and I just saw an article on this, I can't remember from who, but yeah, Miami is, is becoming like the next tech scene. And now with remote work, like who doesn't want to live in Miami and have like the best of both worlds. And so it's something that I'm kind of thinking of, or we're dabbling like, maybe that's an option now that we know that it's such a big um, tech area. My husband's also in tech. I think something interesting about Miami as well is it is truly the port, or I guess like the magical door in the US to Latin America. And so we've seen a lot of startups that focus to Latin America that are now being based in Miami. And so that's something else we need to start considering here at Twilio is how do we handle those companies, right? If, if, they're, if their focus is selling to Latin America or solutions for Latin America, should that be under our team, but they're based in Miami. So there's always something fun, but yeah, Miami, it's also really hot. And I grew up in Wisconsin, so that was fun for a little bit. But now I'm like, eh, I like to have seasons. <laughs> fair, fair. There is a such thing as too hot. So I, I don't blame you for that. I don't blame yeah. you for that. But uh, finally, I have to ask Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question, but with uniquely Samia VC twist. What important truth about Latin America do very few people agree with you on? I don't know. I think I'm actually, I don't really disagree with many people on anything. I think right now a misconception, if I can change a little, a misconception that many people still have is that like, it's impossible to sell in Latin America. I think that's just completely not true. Not only from an economy standpoint, but I think the overall buying mentality is becoming more of, hey, what can we build, not what can we buy? And so people are more open to considering you know, platforms that aren't pre-built like Twilio and people are being more open to wanting to partner together to come up with a solution versus just going to the quote unquote, like a store and buying something off the shelf. And so I think that would be 
the one misconception I've heard or have continued to heard that I think needs to start changing because it's definitely not like that anymore. When I was at Pro Mexico, I could see that and understand a little bit of that old school mentality, but it's changed greatly. And there's some really amazing things coming out of the region. So people just need to, again, roll up their sleeves and start reaching out. There we go. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for spending the time to come on the Simia VC podcast today. I appreciate it. You're very welcome, Trip. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for watching this episode of Simia VC. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you view your podcasts and also check out our newsletter, Dealflow LA, which can be found at dealflow.la.